0: Welcome to the Purposeful Planning Podcast, where you'll gain tangible, practical suggestions to help you transform and elevate your practice. Our content is for both seasoned professionals working with complex family systems and those just entering the field. These podcasts will also be valuable for family leaders who are dedicated to helping individual family members find their pathway to flourishing lives. And Strengthening the Relational Fabric of the Family. Welcome and thank you for joining us. And now your
1: host. Welcome to the Purposeful Planning Podcast. My name is Melissa Mitchell-Blitch and I serve as PPI's Dean of Individual Development. My focus is helping family members develop the skills they need to navigate decisions, transitions, and conflict. Today, we have thought leader, Emily Bouchard, who is the head of the Institute of Family Success, at PNC Private Bank Hawthorne. Emily, welcome.
2: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here with you, Melissa. And uh, it's wonderful to get a chance to talk about um, one of our favorite topics. So uh, I, um, I guess I should say the Institute is um, uh, part of a integrated team of um, a kind of a multifamily office approach for the ultra high net worth population within PNC Private Bank Hawthorne, and we have the focus on the qualitative side of wealth, right? How do you prepare the family for the wealth and all the things that go with that? Um, and it's um, exciting to get to uh, have that be a new offering for the whole private bank. So it's it's a wonderful place to be. And I'm new to the role. I uh, started in, at the end of November of 2022. 20, uh, so I'm very happy to be here and to talk about um, communication.
1: Absolutely. So you're new to that role, but not new to to this work. You have been doing this work for, for many years. And yeah. as you alluded to, today's conversation actually started um, Last year, as you and I were walking to dinner at PPI's annual gathering that we call the Rendezvous and started talking about that shared interest that we have and helping families to use, it goes by a number of things. Clean language, language that differentiates when they are making an observation versus an interpretation and sharing their own experience. That is what really set us up to continue this conversation and share this information with our listeners today. So let me just start off with this, Emily. What makes this topic something that you are especially passionate about?
2: Well, I think, you know, we both have this uh, desire and passion for helping families have more harmonious relating, less conflict, more ease of dealing with um, significant decisions that they might have to make together. And one of the things that I have seen over the years, so I started in this in this field with uh, these families in, in 2004. So I've worked with hundreds of families <laughs> across the U.S., Canada, and Pacific um, Islanders. And I have absolutely seen, and I know you have too, that the uh, the thing that causes the most mischief in the family relating is when there's a confusion between um, stating an observation very specifically versus stating an interpretation. And when we conflate those, and we think that an interpretation is a certainty and an observation, It that's where a lot of um, things get tripped up, and there's nowhere to go in terms of the conversation. So, giving some distinctions and some skills around kind of taking apart how we use language can make such a huge difference in families, and I've just seen it over and over again. Just understanding what's at play when we're having these conversations, and then being able to uh, communicate just some slight variations in how we speak can open up all kinds of new possibilities, and that's what has me really excited about it because I just see mm-hmm. what happens.
1: So this is a very common phenomenon, and I would say it's often really at the root of conflict. You know, one or two or more family members experience the same situation but have a very different experience of it. Give us an example to really help help our listeners make concrete what we're what we're talking about that difference.
2: Oh, okay. So just like to, to make it super easy, like I'm uh, sitting in San Diego right now. Let's say I'm sitting here with my, um, brother and we look out the window and I say, Oh my God, the weather is miserable right now. And my brother who let's say he's, um, got a farm in the, in the California Valley. He's like, no, this weather is a godsend, right? Because we can both look out and make the observation that it's raining and My interpretation is I can't go do the things I want to do outside, so I think it's miserable. His interpretation is all this worry I've had about the drought and my crops is now beyond me. Like, I'm so grateful that it's raining, right? So the rain is neutral, and it's an observation we can both make, and yet we can have completely different interpretations of what it means based on what matters to us and what we care about. So, I I mean, I chose something pretty innocuous like the rain, because it's like, (laughs) but you can imagine how it can get, pretty sticky pretty quickly within a family. Like let's say you have um, no clear distribution policy and you have family owners of a business where somebody's working in the business and somebody um, is considered an owner because of maybe some tax planning that happened and they have ownership in it, but they have no um, voting shares and they're not in the business. They may have very different interpretations when a profit happens in the business about what should be distributed versus what should be left in the business. And somebody working in the business might have a really clear interpretation of what needs to stay in the business. And those that are not working in the business might see it differently and have a clear interpretation of why some distributions should happen. So that would be a much more sticky situation. There, there's a lot of emotion around it and a, a, a lot of um, different perspectives around what it could look like based on the role and the, the vantage point with which you're looking at profit. So that, those would be some examples I would give.
1: Mm-hmm. And what a spectrum of examples from something as ordinary as, you know, the weather outside to these dynamics within, within a family enterprise. It can happen on a small but meaningful scale or a large, <laughs> but yes. meaningful scale. The opportunity for confusion, the opportunity for just a difference of perspective and experience is, is rampant. So with those two great examples of, again, on that spectrum of scale, To help a family, to help family members start to differentiate these two things more and to communicate them more clearly, what are some tips that you might share with them?
2: Yeah, so one of the most important things right out the gate is to really understand and be grounded in understanding the difference, right? So when we're making an observation, we're we're making a statement of fact, what you want to know is it's observable and it's measurable by some sort of standard that everybody's agreed to. So what does that mean? It means if I say it's 103 degrees out right now, we can all, but based on, and that's Fahrenheit, based on the U.S. system, we can actually go to a thermometer, read it, and determine if that statement is accurate. Is it true or false? And that's something that everybody understands, right? It's an obvious, we have, a, we have an agreed-upon standard. Now, somebody who's from Europe, maybe they only use Celsius they might not be able to agree with that state. They might not be able to observe it. So you have to make sure you have that agreed standard you're using. Great example would be how do you appraise the value of a property that a family has or business? What's the shared agreed upon standard we're going to use for the appraisal amount? Um, So that's an obvious one. Now, the other side of it is the interpretation, like we talked about, right? So but the rain and it's like, oh, this is miserable. So interpretation uh, would be, wow, it's really hot out. And that's somebody's interpretation of the temperature that they're feeling. Somebody else might feel like, oh, so grateful. It's like so balmy for me um, because maybe they've just come out of a huge sauna where it's been 110 and they're like grateful for it to be cool. We don't know. So interpretation all has to do with the orientation and perspective of the person who's saying it. And the thing I love to share with families is as soon as somebody tells you their interpretation, they're letting you know something that matters to them and that they care about. So it's an invitation to get to know the person when they share the interpretation rather than arguing about whether it's right or wrong, right? Because in a sense, if a person's expressing their interpretation, it's their opinion. It's their judgment. It's their evaluation. It's theirs. It can never be right or wrong, true or false. It's their interpretation. And where we get that mischief that we talked about is when we go to this argument about what's right and wrong, and we treat it as if it's fact, and that we can observe it, and somebody's got to be right, somebody's got to be wrong. That's the biggest transformation that can happen in families. So that would be where I would start.
1: Mm -hmm. It's amazing how challenging it can be to put things into observable terms, you know, behaviorally specific. If I was a fly on the wall, I could see this. It's amazing how hard it can be to to do this. I was talking to a, a client last week and he said, you know, one of their senior, senior leaders was acting like a three-year-old. And I was like... Help me see that. Help me see that. You know, like I'm a fly on on the wall, and he he really struggled to put it into behaviorally specific terms. But as you can imagine, if I am saying, you know, he act like a three year old, I'm going to start to respond very differently than if I say, you know, you know, heard heavy footsteps, or you know, heavy is even subjective. You know, I heard footsteps coming down down the hall. You're going to have a different reaction if you're able to put something in observable terms versus, you know, subjective terms, behaving like a like a three year old. And our experience matters. And that's part of what you just got to um, whenever we share our interpretation, we're sharing something about us. So we're not saying, you know, the families need to have communication that is exclusive of the interpretation because how we experience it matters. Say more about how you would coach a family to make it clear when they are talking about their interpretation, their experience versus those observable behaviors.
2: Yeah, there are a couple of key phrases I would give. So, And they're they're really easy to interject into the vocabulary of what you're using, right? So knowing that whatever you're saying, unless you have, like, a thermometer right there, (laughs) is basically your interpretation of facts, um, that the best thing you can do is say, hey, in my opinion, And then say it or as I see it and then say it or this is my favorite one it's uncomfortable but it really helps open up the conversation is when you say hey I could be wrong but this is how I'm seeing it because that opens up other possibilities Um, but mainly the, the main thing is to just be in this place of hey I have an interpretation I have a an observation and if you say observation you want to give the things you're observing right so in what you just said in that example, a couple of things I would say is if somebody says to me, oh, my gosh, this," maybe let's say this is a stakeholder in the business and a family member is working in the company and the stakeholder has come to you and said, oh, my gosh, this, you know, so-and-so's son is acting like a three-year-old. The first thing you would want to do is connect with what they care about, right, which is, oh. I would imagine that the, the whatever you're experiencing is pretty difficult to have happen at the office. So I definitely want to know how it is for you that somebody's behaving in a way that in a manner that doesn't seem to be in keeping with their role, right? So you again, you'd help to to articulate it in maybe a less judgmental way, but more of a this is a challenge. And then the next thing would be to say, um, just to help to ground that assessment you're making, right? He's a three year old, help, help me understand where you're coming from. Could you give me a couple of examples of what's happened in the last week that have contributed to you thinking he's acting like a three-year-old? And then I'm always – I like to offer examples, right? So, okay, has he, like, thrown himself on the ground and started a temper tantrum in the middle of the cubicles? And they'll laugh, you know, no, no, no. Okay, so okay, that's my interpretation of a three-year-old. So what is it you mean by it? Like slamming doors or – one word answers like so you can you can help them if they're having trouble discovering it um so it's it's really about um noticing and when you're saying something that oh it's not necessarily true um and being able to say it that way like i don't i don't i, I don't know for sure um, or if you're hearing somebody else making a really obvious interpretation, encouraging them with compassion and empathy for their, whatever it has them coming forward with it, and then exploring with them what that means. And the other thing I like to say is, hey, I hear you say three-year-old. I have a picture in my mind about what that is, like tantrums and slamming doors. I want to know what that means to you because it's your it's your interpretation of what's happening. And so then it's, like, empowering for them, too. So those are a couple of thoughts I have about it. Yeah.
1: I love how you meet them where they're at, mm-hmm. that compassion, that empathy of their experience of that was as if they were interacting with a toddler mm-hmm. and then inviting them to, you know, step back and kind of observe it, to have a different experience of it, to describe more behaviorally what they saw, what they experienced, what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but first meeting them where, where they're at. Yeah, there's a
2: a phrase I learned early on in this work that made a huge difference for me with this that I'll offer right now, and it's a a takeaway, write it down. And it's granting legitimacy Mm -hmm. to the perspective of whoever's in front of you and really avoiding going right to disagree or agree Mm -hmm. because that's going to certainty and you want to stay in this kind of open discovery place and curiosity around what's going on over there, what's so for them, and let me get to know them better.
1: Mm-hmm. Words create worlds. I don't know who to attribute that to, but worlds create words, create worlds. You know, if mm-hmm. I am going through describing things in very behaviorally specific ways or I am, you know, describing them such as this example with, you know, he was acting like a, a three year old. I'll have a different experience. And so this is both beneficial for family members and their communications and in their relationships, but it's also just helpful in how I think about things <laughs> to even use those phrases. Like it seems to me, or I may be wrong, but to integrate that into my internal language, not just my communication with, with family members and others.
2: Oh, my gosh, that's, I'm so glad you said that because that's the other key takeaway I would want people to have is the moment you have a thought or you want to say something, you want to add to a conversation or you feel strongly about something, take a moment and pause and find out, hey, where am I grounding this? Like, Where are the observations I've made that have led me to this conclusion? So that, again, you're, you're kind of looking at your own observer versus interpretation at the same time. So if you can have that within yourself, that's really helpful. And, you know, I see this a lot right now. I don't know what you're seeing, but there's a lot of families where um, the, um, let's say the the elders in the family, the patriarch and matriarch, the parents, however you want to refer to them, have um, become maybe more conservative and are watching certain news channels and getting certain information that they feel really strongly about. And they are in a very black and white, right or wrong, whereas um, their children or their grandchildren might be coming from a different perspective, getting their news from different sources, and it creates a lot of conflict in families with different political views, different observations of reality, and this um, grounding that can happen around the assessments coming from different sources. And one of the things that I love is that granting legitimacy, like, oh, given your sources, given what you're listening to, what you are thinking, I completely understand why you would come to that interpretation. And are you open to hearing our interpretation from where we're getting? And then if there's a, um, a need to discount the news sources where it's coming from, you're going to have more discord, as opposed to there's multiple, multiple ways of getting information. And then all we have is how we interpret the information we get towards how we see the world. And anything that you can do to open it up, to find some sort of common ground, some Information source that feels neutral that both of both sides can can use to kind of triangulate and see hey how does that jibe with this other thing that was said um, can be really helpful so I know that that's a pain point for a lot of families I'm working with right now so I want to just bring that forward because that right wrong certainty based on what's actually not so much factual news as more interpretations of facts that people are taking as fact that can cause a lot of problems and difficulties in communication. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And some of the tips that you're suggesting providing just help us to kind of pan out to remember, this is my perspective. Mm-hmm. This is my opinion. This is my, you know, sources of information. You know, here's how I interpret that. Just acknowledge we don't have all the information that there is to know. We may be missing something. We may be missing something that changes our opinion, or we may be missing something that just, you know, confirms our opinion. But just kind of acknowledges I'm seeing it from my perspective and owns that. And it's real and it's important, but to not assume that everyone, you know, has the same experiences, has the same values, has the same, you know, perspective on things. I was reading um,
2: one of my favorite books, um, *Living Untethered*, and he, Michael Singer is the author. And he he's, he brought forth this concept of what we can possibly know based on the infinite infinity of the universe and maybe multiple infinities is like 000000000001 percent. And when you get that, it's like, oh, I don't know much of anything, right? And it's, you've heard the phrase like, the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. And I think that's a great thing you highlighted, which is staying in that place of, oh, there's way more here that I don't know that I don't know. Like I am, in a sense, unaware of that I need to stay open to can be so helpful rather than staying um, in this standing on that hill of what I know, because it's actually not a very big hill and helping us do that. Is, it creates humility it creates openness and it creates that, you know, ability to really be with somebody else and what they know to be true for them and always knowing that it's never true or false. Right. That's the and I love that quote, you know, the Rumi quote about um, out beyond the field of right doing and wrong doing. There's there's a place where I, I like to meet you, you know, where there's there's we can get beyond the right and wrong. And that's where magic can happen in families as opposed to mischief.
1: Hmm. The families that we work with, they have some type of interconnection. Oftentimes, it may be a family business. It may be wealth, investments, assets. So they are combining a lot of different roles and relationships that matter, and differences can become divisive very easily. So, just in wrapping up today, I just want to check in, Emily, if there's one more. Uh, we could have this conversation for days and days. But Hello. if there if there's any one, you know, just one last tip that you might want to share with our listeners, both who are advisors and family members themselves as they seek to become more skillful to differentiate between observations and interpretations.
2: Um, it may seem a little tangential, but it's probably the biggest thing that will make a difference, which is seeing if you can step outside of taking it personally. So what can happen in families, because of our roles, because of all relationships, because of how long we've known each other, um, we can automatically take things personally and get offended when somebody doesn't agree with us. And what happens with that is it's like it triggers a part of our brain that's the survival part of the brain where we feel like we have to become defensive and we have to be protective. Because something's at stake for us, and we're looking for that agreement or we're looking for that alignment that will make it so that we can feel okay and safe. And it's very primal, and it's not necessarily spoken or understood. So managing that neurological reaction that happens when you're having a conversation and somebody comes forward with a different assessment, a different interpretation, or flat out says you're wrong, To be able to take a breath and remember that all they're doing is letting you know they have a very strong interpretation that's different than yours, and granting legitimacy to theirs may actually open up them being more open to yours. Not necessarily, but I found it to be extremely helpful. I work with a lot of blended families, step-family situations, and automatically you know people are coming from different perspectives, so it's a little bit easier to see that and it makes a world of difference when you know somebody is reactive or they they come at you pretty um intensely with their interpretation as being true if you can be in a place of oh let me understand this and even a place of gratitude that the person wants you to know more about them it's an amazing thing that can happen and everybody on the planet wants to be seen understood and know that they matter and so that when you slow down and you kind of get out of your way for a moment and you just focus on what this person is trying to tell you that really matters to them and just be in that place of curiosity and interest, it's so helpful. And you gave a great example, Melissa, when you said that when this man said the other one was acting like a three-year-old and then he couldn't tell you what it was, something is there for him that really matters. And just taking some time to unpack that for the person is so helpful for them. Because they don't even know. And I will often say this to people. Don't take it personally and don't be, worry about being right. I mean, with my stepdaughters, I'd be like, whoa, the way you just said that, you must be so furious at your best friend. And they're like, no, I, and even though they just said, I'm so furious with my best friend, <laughs> you might repeat the exact same phrase. No, I don't care about that. It's my teacher with, oh, oh, I missed that part. So I don't need to be right or prove to them like, no, no, you just said this. It's more, tell me more. That's another great phrase. If somebody is telling you something that they care about and they're upset about or they're passionate about, have them reveal it to you. Tell you more. Listen and know that it's not a reflection on you. It's them revealing to you about them.
1: Emily, thank you for being with us today to really start this conversation. The client that I mentioned in in that example that described a a team member as acting like a three-year-old at the start of that meeting, he had checked in and he was talking about what a difference it had made to become more aware of his thoughts and to change up his thoughts. And then we hit this challenge and he laughed and he was like, oh, my goodness, I thought I'd made so much progress And I said, you have made so much progress. There's still more potential to continue to grow. This is a growing edge, you know, that we will all be on. But you've given us some very practical ways that people can practice, they can train to start making improvements because there's, with these families, there's so much to lose and so much to gain. So, again, you gave us some very practical uh, tools that folks can utilize wherever they're at in this growth journey to help them move along a bit further. So Emily, thank you for being with us. Thank
2: you, Melissa. And you highlighted something so key to end on, which is have that beginner mind and have a good sense of humor as you learn and stumble and discover how much there is to learn. So thank you so much for this opportunity to help further that along for people.
1: Learning and growing. Thanks, Emily.
2: Thank you.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's program, and if you are a member of the Purposeful Planning Institute, I want to invite you to come post in the community forum and share your key takeaways from today's conversation. And if you're not a member yet, here's your invitation to join us and be part of our community and access the network, resources, and tools that you need to transform your client relationships and your practice. And don't forget to use promo code PURPOSEFUL to receive a 10% discount on a membership. Learn more at purposefulplanninginstitute.com.